Hello and welcome to another episode of Working for the Weekend, Michigan Ross's podcast about the full-time hustle of a part-time MBA. This is Leslie Beverly, and we'll be continuing this season's theme of creating connections with an episode on diversity, equity, and inclusion. We'll hear from a WMBA, OMBA, and Michigan Ross's Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Ross in this panel-style interview. We hope you'll find this episode enlightening and informational. If you like what you hear, make sure to give us a rating and comment on your favorite podcast app to help us reach more prospective students. You can always email us at weekendpod at umich.edu or DM us on Instagram at rosswftwpod. Thank you for listening and let's get started. So a special welcome to our guests today. How about we start by going around the room with introductions? Tom, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Leslie. Uh, My name is Tom Bell. My pronouns are he, him. I currently serve as the Director for Diversity and Inclusion here at the Ross School of Business. I'm relatively new-ish to Ross. I started back in June of this past year, and I'm really excited to be here and a part of the community. I got my PhD at Colorado State University and I've been working in the education field and higher education for about 16 plus years. But my research area is in understanding how whiteness and white supremacy both are perpetuated and disrupted in the educational space. Really excited to be part of the conversation today. And why don't we go Charlene next? So thanks, Leslie, for having me here. I am Charlene, and I am a part of the Weekend MBA program. So I'm in the second year right now. And I'm also fortunate to be the VP of DEI for the Weekend MBA program. And Leslie, you are a part of the committee as well, and you have been doing some great work. So thank you for that. And really, really excited to have this conversation with you and learn a lot from you as well as the other two panelists. Thanks for joining us. And last but not least, Rajina. Hello, everyone. My name is Rajina Urutia. I am a second year in the OMBA program. I'm an HR professional in a large chemical manufacturing company, and I'm super excited to be here, very passionate about this topic and of people, of course. So thanks for having us, Leslie. Absolutely. So we will just get right into our first question here, which is, what does DE&I mean to you and why is it important to you? We'll start again with the same order. So Tom, take us away. Yeah, you know, DEI is an interesting thing, right? It is a personal journey, first and foremost. So it is a, something that is a very personal thing for folks as they go through. Part of it is understanding your compounding and understanding the, the compounding privileges that you have or the compounding oppressions that you experience and making meaning out of those for you. And then as you start to broaden that understanding about you, you start to see how equity and justice impacts the groups that you're a part of and the systems that you're involved in, right? So for me, particularly as a cisgender, able-bodied white man, I navigate this world with a lot of compounded privilege. And so I really try to use justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion as a framework for navigating that in a way to dismantle and challenge uh, oppressive systems and structures. And so all the organizations and entities that I'm involved in, I kind of take that approach and, and use it as a framework or a grounding. It's my touchstone, if you will. 
And so whether it be like financial or educational or health, criminal justice, legal, so on, that's really the way that I navigate and try to push on those. And then when we think about building new systems and structures and organizations, how do you do it with a sense of belongingness? So folks can authentically show up. How do you do it using equity-oriented questions and seeking justice for those equity-oriented questions? So that way you're not having to have folks feel like they don't fit, they don't belong, their voices and value. So that's what it really means to me in a nutshell. But I look forward to hearing what the other folks have to say too. Because like I said, it is a personal thing too. Thanks, Tom. And I think uh, one point that you raised is very pertinent in this discussion, which is inclusion of justice as well in the concept of DEI. Because at the end of the day, you know, DEI means little without the possibility of having justice for the people who face certain kind of experiences in their lives. So I think that's a great point here. Personally, for me, DEI, you know, it's it, at the very basic level, it stands for celebrating the differences that we have. And when I say celebrate, I basically mean trying to recognize that all of us are different and unique in a sense. And how can we accommodate all those differences? Now, of course, from the backgrounds that we have had, from the educational, social, financial, racial backgrounds that we have, the experiences are all going to be different for us. But that's where DEI comes in, where all of us have access to the same resources and those resources can open up the same doors for all of us. Diversity, I definitely agree. It's something that's personal. It's what I like to ask everyone that's maybe listening to this podcast is how many of you ever felt excluded or felt too different? You go to a meeting, you stand there, and you're kind of, you feel like you maybe are out of place. It's very common. It's probably not uncommon to any of you that are listening here today. And I love psychology and hopefully maybe some of you also like psychology. And if I relate it back to like math with hierarchy of needs and everyone wants to achieve that actualization. And part of that is that sense of belonging, which ties into inclusion, accepting those differences that we're talking about. And then I also like this one quote, it's from Robert Sellers, so I'll just read it, which is diversity is where everyone is invited to the party. Inclusion means that everyone gets to contribute to that playlist. Equity means that everyone has an opportunity to dance. So hopefully that kind of helps tie it together. That is really nice. And I think you all had a wonderful take on DE and I and what that means to you. So we'll carry that with now a discussion on some of the ways that the part-time MBA program at Ross fosters a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment. So I'm first just going to share some formal programs that I'm aware of at the Ross PT MBA program. But then I'll definitely pass the mic to all of you to see if you can talk about your own experiences at Ross PTMBA beyond what I'll be sharing. So first is that the Ross PTMBA program has a partnership with the Forte Foundation, which essentially helps prospective students to build their best MBA application. It also hosts recruiting events for women, military candidates, and new as of this year, non-traditional MBA candidates. Also, the program recently launched the new quantitative readiness course, which in our last episode 503, Matthew Stone, our host, talks to Anne Schoen, who's the associate admissions director. So give that episode a listen if you want to learn more about that. 
And additionally, Ross recently hosted its first ever DEI faculty awards. And then some pretty cool stuff happening with the OMBA program. There's a DEI toolkit course being taught by Lindy Greer in OMBA. I'm seeing Regina, you're shaking your head. So that's pretty cool. Maybe you can talk more about that as well as a DEI analytics course that's apparently coming in winter. So a lot of exciting things happening. But with that, I'll hand over the mic to any of our guests. I'd love to hear more about your experiences and any sort of programs and activities that are happening in the DEI space that you're involved in at Ross. So yes, I 100% agree. Anyone that has a chance to take a course with Professor Greer, very highly recommend it. I had the opportunity to take the DEI toolkit this past summer. And I love how she kicks off the course to say diversity is good, but it's hard. So echoing what everyone said about it being a personal journey, it's something you have to work out, not only just every month, it's something you should work out hopefully every day. And it's, it's hard. So Definitely highly recommended. You really also get exposure to other people in the course. You're in learning pods and talk about conversations because sometimes the hardest thing about DEI is having that conversation. It's not easy. Conversations that are very personal, that can mean a lot. It's very difficult to open up about some of these situations. So I really learned a lot from my colleagues and from Professor Greer, of course. So I very, very highly recommend it. Could not stop speaking about it, to be honest. As for Forte, I was also involved in Forte, also very, very highly recommended. You kick it off with a session with all these other females that are interested in their MBA. And like me, I was new to the MBA journey. And what does that mean? What do I need to do? The, the testing, it's a lot of work. And on top of that, you're working. So you really get a great network of other females that are going through the journey. And we met in New York City. And then you have also learning pods to kind of keep you accountable while you're writing your essays, while you're taking your tests. And I still keep in touch with them. And we're learning about how is Duke, you know, that's cool. How is Michigan? And oh, we're learning that. So it's it's a great community. I very highly recommend it. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Shailene, you looked like you had something you wanted to add. Thanks, Rahina. And thanks, Leslie. As far as uh, my role is concerned, I'm trying to give a different take to this DNI conversations, because as Rahina said, these can get a little sensitive because people talk about their personal life experiences just to make this a lighter conversation. The goal of the committee is, in a sense, to try and help people share the fun experiences that they have from the DEI standpoint. So, for example, I reach out to the cohort whenever I need to have them share some of their experiences with celebrating festivals. And many students in our cohort do not know the background of these festivals and how people celebrate these festivals. So it's a fun way of celebrating the differences and also sort of educating the students. So I think that's one way of celebrating the DNI initiatives. The other way, of course, is the case competition that we are coming up with. I think this initiative is going to help the students groom the leader in them, where they have to act as the protagonists of the case and really try and understand how a leader is going to approach a difficult issue like DNI. So I think those are some of the initiatives that DNI committee for the Weekend MBA program is coming up with. Thank you, Shalene. And you've been doing an excellent job as VP, and I'm excited to be able to continue working on the case competition, which we will be sure to do a plug at the end of the podcast for as well. I just have to do a personal plug for Shalene. Because when I got hired back in June, 
it was even before I started. He was the first person from Ross, faculty, staff, student that emailed me and was like, hi, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'd really like to meet with you. And so as an advocate for your cohort, your group, your program, which when you think about inclusion, when we think about whose voices are heard and whose are not, even organizationally, I think your programs are ones that often sometimes get put back. And so that put on the radar for me right away, oh, this group, I really need to be aware of and understand. I didn't quite understand like what part-time MBA was, but now I do. And so that helps kind of build some relationships. And I think one of the things that's important too, as, as we've kind of been discussing with this, is that the justice, equity, diversity, inclusion work is so broad and vast, right? Like at its core, it's being a good human to somebody and building them relationships that you can kind of connect over time. And then as you do that, then you can start channeling that into breaking down systems and barriers and structures, right? Because you have to have a coalition to do that. And so, you know, some of the things that we're thinking about too, and from our office standpoint is how do we not just provide programming or support to the folks that we physically are in space with all the time? So one of the things that we're going to be doing, hopefully starting in winter, is we're trying to do multiple modalities for the stuff that we offer. So we're offering an anti-racism series, which kicks off tomorrow. It's a three-part series. The first setting is in person on a Friday morning at nine o'clock. Not really going to catch many of the students in your program, right? So one of the things that I'm asking the facilitator to do is, can you come back and offer this again winter semester in a virtual space in a more constructive time, probably in the evening for not just like your group, but some other students that aren't able to be here. We have our EMBA program, which is that, you know, has a cohort in Los Angeles, for example. And so I think we need to be more respectful of the modality piece too. And so as we start to think about what we're doing, how we're offering it in an accessible way and format. And that's why I actually like podcasts too, because that's another way to get information and, and learn and think about things. So kudos to you all for, for doing the work that you're doing in this way. Thank you. And Tom, thank you for being an advocate for our PT MBA program. And in terms of podcasts, I do know that maybe some of you are listening on the way to class <laughs> on a Friday evening or Saturday morning. So hopefully this is nice and convenient for you. So we'll move on now that we've shared some of the best practices Michigan Ross and the PT MBA program has in place. What are your thoughts on what more can be done? I know, Tom, you mentioned the modality piece. Or there may be best practices you've observed outside of Ross in your careers or respective industries. What are some things that we can do to challenge ourselves as a cohort or challenge our leadership with at Ross? Thanks, Leslie. I think that's a great question. I want to personally share some of the experiences that I've had outside of Ross. These conversations can be difficult. That is okay. But how these conversations? I think one reason why people are a little bit skeptical about talking about their personal experiences when it comes to DEI is because of some of the repercussions that they have to face in case they say something wrong or unethical that shouldn't have been said. Let's take away that fear of punishments and have people come together in a room and talk out their experiences. So for example, at my workplace at Daimler, we did something very similar. We broke down our department into different groups of four or five people. We were given a few topics and based on those topics, we had our discussions. And what we realized was that through our discussions, we really were very honest about what our feelings were. So, you know, it's like to and fro argument. Sometimes there would be differences. Sometimes there would be opinions that would clash. 
But I think that's the whole point of having these discussions where you basically open up about what your honest feelings of a particular topic are. And hopefully you will learn something out of it. You will learn something out of that conversation and you will come out being a better person. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Shalene. Anything to add on to that, Tom or Regina? So I love that this question has the word challenge in it because I think we can all challenge ourselves. One of the quotes that I like is being the change you wish to see in the world. We're all change agents, no matter who you are. If you're a leader, if you're not, we're technically, if you think about it, we're all leaders, um, no matter what you do in your day to day. So I mean, think of it from a perspective of what's your next hiring decision? Who am I going to pick on my next project? Things like that. They all have implications on who you can think from a lens of DEI. Um, other things that I've appreciated for Michigan was, I believe it's called the leadership journey model. And we used it in our DEI toolkit. And it was a great way to do hypothesis testing and you go on a weekly basis and then each week you meet with your team to talk about, okay, what was your hypothesis? How did you go? Did you get any feedback? What would you do differently? So I really highly recommend it. I think it's an easy way to do it every one or two weeks. For example, it could be something as I'm going to implement an inclusion moment in my next team meeting and have everyone take, you know, one to two minutes to think about it. What do they think about the video? One of the ones that I actually did was this privilege video, but I'm happy to um, send to you, Leslie, so you can hyperlink it later. But it was really nice to see what privilege meant to people and how it was impacted based on where they stood in, in the direction of the, the instruction. So it was really impactful and we actually did that and highly recommend doing that to help challenge yourself on a daily, weekly basis. Yes, would love for you to send me that link and we'll definitely get it out to the masses, uh, the masses that listen to our podcast, at least. <laughs> Thank you. And Tom, how about you? Well, you know, brings up a good point. I, I like the concept that everyone can be a change, right? And so if, if we're all thinking about ourselves as change agents, one of the things that's a huge challenge in justice and equity work is that sometimes it can feel very isolating. I sat in a meeting and I was the only one that raised my voice. And so, you know, I was the only one that tried to push against a policy or I was the only one that was doing this, right? If you start thinking about it, that we're, we're always trying to do this change, we have to start realizing also that it's not an individual effort. And I think that that's where DEI has failed largely in my history. So like when I was brought up into DEI world, doing trainings as a young 18 year old kid, I saw the journey as only an individual. Like if I can do this and I'm here, as long as I can change myself, then I can change other things. What I didn't learn how to do was to build coalitions. And I think that that's really what the key is to getting things done. So in your workplace, in your cohorts, in your communities, that's how you're going to start building that change. And so what we we need to do a better job is, is bringing experiences together for you all, is for students and for our faculty and staff on how do we actually build coalitions around making change and becoming change agents that work collectively together? Because that's a different experience than me addressing my unconscious bias. And we've been doing really good work on the individual level of how do I change myself but we're not doing good enough work at how do we create organizational and systemic change around equity issues. And that's that's got to be a focus. Otherwise, we're going to still push against the ocean with our hand. If you understand that little metaphor, like you don't really change the ocean's trajectory. So we have to find ways to do that. That would be the piece that I would see. The other thing I think is important and critical is taking an interdisciplinary perspective, which is why I like business so much, because there is so much an interdisciplinary approach to everything. You know, from reading legal scholars like Derek Bell, who is a famous legal scholar that pushed against the system for how we look and critically examine law, 
to Kimberly Crenshaw, who's a legal scholar, but also dabbles in education to other folks that exist. And I think Professor Greer is a great example in the business world. I think she's a psychological organization change person in thinking about those approaches as we start to build our leadership skills, both in the world and in our environments. So. If I could just add, I also agree with the whole, it's not just one person working towards to make the change in the world, right? You know, think of things like employee resource groups at companies or even in school, there's different affiliations. And even if you're not a part of that affiliation, you can still join it, be an ally. Research shows that by being an ally and standing up for someone that maybe is from a different affiliation makes a big difference. So learn more, get involved. I, I totally echo that. It's not just one person changes the world. Very powerful. And I couldn't agree more. So 30 minutes is not going to be able to do this justice, but I have one more question that I want to ask before we're at time. And this one is shifting gears a little bit, but a lot of the part-time MBA one and twos right now are in the process of recruiting. And so what I want to ask is if DEI is an important factor on whether a student wants to apply or accept a job offer from a certain company, what are the best ways that they can better understand what that actually looks like at a particular company. You know, often these companies come and do a virtual presentation for an hour and you get some sort of flavor of what that looks like, but are there certain questions that they can be asking to really get to understand what it actually looks like, their DEI efforts and what a day in the life at that company actually looks like? I think you could start with how does the work culture support the whole being of individuals, the authentic what are the policies and practices that exist? And then what are the cultural promulgations of those policies and practices about supporting the whole person? I think the second piece is, do you have a DEI mission? And what are examples of how that's lived concretely? Like not just uh, in a performative way, like we, we put Black Lives Matter up on our website for a couple months. Like what did you actually do that invested in showing Black Lives Matter? Right. And I think that those are the things that you could ask if you're feeling bold enough to ask those questions in an interview to see if it's a fit. Yeah, I'm going to echo what Tom said, because uh, sometimes companies visually try to show that they are supporting certain causes, but then uh, backstage, you realize that that is not really what is happening. So I think it's important to be open with the recruiters that uh, this issue is really important to you. And if they could share certain actionable items or actionable changes that their company spearheaded, especially over the last few years, because we have seen several ups and downs with minorities in the US and around the world. And learning from those experiences, did they get a chance to change their policies, make some actionable improvements in their culture? And the response from the recruiter will basically give an idea of how seriously are they taking these initiatives and these, these causes. So I would just like to add again, the employee resource group asked about that, what types of affiliations they have. Of course, you could probably see that also on their website. One thing I think we haven't mentioned, and it's maybe not necessarily questions you could ask, but the research that you could do is in terms of metrics, right? We're all human, but metrics tells you a story. So do they have information around their DEI, the progress that they've made? You can look up companies and see what their diversity reports are. And you can get a good flavor as to what they really, cause they vary from companies. So I would highly recommend looking at those metrics and see how that data speaks to you because the best thing you can do is tie metrics around it. Wonderful. Well, thank you all so much. This was just an excellent way to end the podcast with actionable items and recommendations for our audience. 
Thank you to our guests, Regina, Shalene, and Tom so much for sharing your experience and your words of wisdom. As we shared, this is a continuous journey for all of us, but I hope this episode helps as we individually and cohesively try to create a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment here at Ross and beyond. And before we wrap, I promised I would shamelessly plug the PTMBA DEI case competition. So if you're currently a part-time MBA student and this episode has left you feeling inspired, which I hope it has, please sign up before November 13th. Reach out to the podcast or myself, Leslie Beverly, for a sign-up link and more information. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this important episode. Tune in for our next episode where Sneha will be continuing our season's theme on creating connections by talking about our wonderful clubs and extracurriculars here at Ross. If you've got any questions for us, send them to weekendpod at umich.edu or find us on Insta at RossWFTWPod. Working for the Weekend is brought to you by the University of Michigan Ross School of Business. The host and producer for this episode is me, Leslie Beverly. Executive producers are Bob Needham and Leslie Beverly. Jonah Brockman did the editing on today's episode. Thanks again to all of our wonderful guests and thank you to our listeners. Catch you next time on Working for the Weekend. Are you-